This is And Another Thing with your hosts, Jody Jenkins and Tony Clement. And Another Thing, Jody Jenkins. I'm Tony Clement. And another barn burner of an episode. And we're going to get right to it. Our producer tells us that our guest is ready to go. We're so excited to welcome... I'm going to let you introduce him, Tony, because you probably have a much more flowery description for him. But let everyone know who's who's on the show today. Absolutely. Well, we're very pleased to have uh, Mr. Warren Kinsella with us on the show today. He's been uh, an activist in uh, liberal politics for decades, was uh, was one of uh, Jean Chrétien's uh, primary uh, people that he relied on and uh, has his own company, of course. I believe it's called the Daisy Group. Uh, so he provides public affairs advice uh, to clients. And uh, generally, he's uh, he's somebody who knows Canadian politics very well. So uh, I want to say that about him. But I also read his, he wrote a book on punk rock, if you can believe it, a few moons ago now. And uh, that's something that we also share in our background. So uh, ladies and gentlemen, give it up for Mr. Warren Kinsella. Yeah, we don't have a real, we don't have a live audience actually. So that was just Jody and I clapping. That's as much applause as I get these days. So that's good. I'll take it. Warren, I, I wanted to just mention this off the top because it was so random. The other day, I'm on my Twitter feed, and you posted that you were at the Midtown Brewery in Wellington, which is just down the road from me. And I was like, I was, just, I was just wow. so random. So, I, what, uh, what were you doing in Wellington, if you don't mind me asking? What. I've got a place in the county. Uh, I don't want to give the exact address because it, you know, they give some some crazy people a crazy idea. But uh, yeah, I I got a place in the county uh, a while ago, and I love it. And uh, so I was up there with my dogs and my own uh, this weekend. And whenever I do that, I don't feel like cooking something. I go to the midtown and get a burger and and uh, hang out there for a little bit. It's a great spot, so um, I've turned into a big fan of the county. Yeah, they make great hot dogs there at the Midtown as well. So, And the county right. is, I mean, I grew up in Prince Edward County, grew up in Ameliasburg specifically, and I love it. And people are now discovering it. Small town Ontario is yes. getting to the mainstream. Yeah, It's great. So yeah. I wanted to start with some punk rock questions, and I know Tony's got some ones that he wants to get out as well. But it's funny, we were just watching, Tony and I, some YouTube videos of Dead Kennedys, and then uh, I think I was watching some Rage Against the Machine, some of their live concerts. But and, and the undertones and as the well, because we were going to use that as the intro, Teenage Kicks as the <laughs> intro for you. Yeah, and yeah, one thing I noticed, and maybe just your commentary on it or your thoughts on it, because you are you know, very well-in-tuned with that movement and from your own musical talents, but the passion... When you watch these these the old videos of let's say Rage or Dead Kennedys, Jellabad, the passion that they're singing with, and there's genuine angst in their voice, and the issues that they're talking about, and I know that the punk rock movement was kind of a way an outlet for these types of issues, and I'm sure you can comment on that, but maybe just give us your thoughts on the punk rock movement and how it's been able to, you know, it, it continues to like people still love it, and I mean I've never been into it. I'm being honest. But and I it's know been a big part of my life yeah. uh, from the very beginning. Uh, so, which people find peculiar. You're the only person who doesn't find it peculiar, perhaps. But whenever I post about punk rock, people say you're not allowed to post about punk rock because you're a conservative. But of course, they miss the point that I, I, in many ways, in my political career and elsewhere, I considered myself not very establishment and uh, not part of. I, 
more particularly not part of the establishment uh, and maybe even yeah. never acceptable to the establishment. Uh, and so uh, that's what always attracted me to punk rock too. But that's us talking. Why don't you talk a little bit about it from your perspective? Well, how I got into it, I grew up in Calgary and, you know, we were, my buddies, we were a bunch of misfits and losers <laughs> and, uh, you know, had a hard time meeting girls and stuff. So we um, resented our parents and resented authority and resented everything. So we picked up guitars. We didn't know how to play them. We wrote our own songs because we didn't have the musical skill to copy anybody else's stuff. <laughs> and my first band was called The Social Blemishes. It was a great band name. Great band name. And then name. that turned into The, the Hot Nasties. And the Hot Nasties, um, you know, like when you're a punk band on the prairies, um, it's harder, right? Because if you're in Toronto, like Blue Peter or the Vile Tones or whatever, a lot of those guys got signed because the music industry was here. But we didn't, right? Nobody knew about us. So we, I had my own record label. I had my own production company. And so a big part of punk rock was that. Yeah, the DIY, the do-it-yourself do ethos. Yourself, yeah, yeah. Right? Which is neither conservative nor progressive. It's just, it's a lot of kids, and it's not just guitars, right? It's a kid writing poetry. It's a kid painting in a way that, you know, his teachers don't want him to. You know, it's a girl deciding she's going to get involved in politics and change the world. Like, punk rock is an attitude. It's it's not just a musical style, and it's kind of like screw you. I'm going to do it, and I'm probably going to fall flat on my face, and and I'm probably going to fail a whole bunch of times, but I'm going to try. And that's the thing that's so wonderful about it. And that's what I love so much. You know, I'll see a a couple of kids with purple hair walking down the street in Toronto. I want to hug them because it's like yes, you get you know, it. That's what you're you're supposed to be doing that. And you're supposed to be fighting back, and you're not always going to win. In fact, you're often going to lose. But it's the trying that makes you a better person, and you know, makes for a better world. So and and I, I see lots of echoes of that. Uh, and I, I don't know whether uh, millennials or post millennials uh, understand the 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 connection to what you just described as punk rock. But to me, there is a logical connection. There's an emotional connection. There's a, there's a political connection to that. And you're right. It's neither left nor right. It's just an attitude about uh, doing the, th the things that you want to do the way you want to do them, even if the establishment doesn't care about that. So do you still see that when you, when you talk to millennials or post-millennials? Do you still uh, hear those echoes? Yeah, but, you know, they look at me like a weirdo, and I meet with, I know, Tony, you were the same, and, you know, a lot of us are involved in politics. You meet with young people, you know, because they want to learn how to become a strategist or how to get involved, so you meet with them and you give them advice. And I do, I agree with you, I find a lot of them really feel overwhelmed by the world, you know, whether it's environment, climate change or you know, war or whatever it is that they're concerned about, they feel that it's overwhelming. and They feel that they can't do something about it. And it's, it's ironic that, you know, we're talking today on the day that Time magazine has revealed, you know, that Greta Thunberg, the 16-year-old kid, is the person of the year. Now, people are going ape on my social media because I put up the cover of the Time magazine and, you know, conservatives, for reasons I don't totally understand, hate her guts. But I, to me, she's kind of a punk rock kid. You know, she's 16 years old. 
She's got Asperger's. Uh, she's not a great public speaker. Um, and she's just decided this is what she's going to do. And that's kind of a punk rock thing. And, uh, you know, all the kids listening to us, you know, there's, right now listening to us, there's a 16-year-old, another 16-year-old girl, a boy. They're sitting in their parents' basement, and they have just written the next Smells Like Teen Spirit. Right. Like, they've done that. They're, in, they're somewhere in a basement in Brighton. And, you know, I think it's incumbent on us old guys and old gals to encourage that kid to help that kid get out there and get that song heard because it you know maybe a song that changes the world. You know when I when I, when I was uh, reelected to parliament in uh, 2011 uh, with that uh, Harper majority, uh, you know the NDP were the official opposition, and there was all these young uh, NDPers who were elected, and there was a lot of denigrating going on, and I never partook in that. I I said to people, look, it's great that we have. 20-year-olds and 21-year-olds and 23-year-olds in Parliament, if they've got something to say and they want to say it, why can't that be in Parliament? Why does it have to be uh, – you have to be over 50 to be in Parliament? That makes no no sense whatsoever. So uh, I don't have a problem with Greta Thunberg uh, being on the cover of Time magazine. Uh, it, we, let's, let's debate the issues, of course, but – there's nothing that in me that says uh, that that w- we should be about tearing her down personally. That makes no sense to me. Yeah, because all it does when they do that is they just sound like they're afraid of this kid. You know, they sound like they're intimidated by her. And it's like, you know, yeah, I know Hitler was on the cover of Time magazine as Man of the Year in 1939 you know, or whatever. Like, so what? I mean, it's it's a magazine. And they're saying, here's the newsmaker of the year. And so if you object to her, then say so, you know, and come up with arguments and debate it, like, you know, like you say. But I, I just admire kids like that. And she just is top of mind for me today because she's the hot story of today. But there are other young people like that who have decided, you know, the hell with it. I'm going to give it a shot and I'm probably going to fail, but I'm going to go for it. And I, re- I really admire those kids. Can I just talk about uh, your take on the zeitgeist for just, just a second? Because I saw a couple of examples in the last uh, couple of months where Twitter was going one way, or at least the, the conservative part of Twitter uh, was going one way. And you, and you said, hold on a second. And, and I thought you brought some clarity to the situation. The first was when Barack Obama endorsed Justin Trudeau uh, five days before Election Day. And everybody was uh, on Twitter was going crazy and Obama doesn't matter who cares it's another American trying to in, you know invade our our political space and you said now hold on now this this is gonna this is gonna have an impact the second example was uh, when the hot mic incident occurred very recently at the NATO summit uh, at Buckingham Palace where Trudeau was caught on mic um, saying disparaging remarks about Trump and everybody was lighting their hair on fire about this diplomatic incident. And you said, no, no, this, this is going to play well with Canadians. So uh, tell us a little bit about how you judge or how you gauge when these political things come up, how, how you figure out what, what's going to be important or what's going to be unimportant. Well, I mean, part of the problem is the, you know, the media that you just referenced, um, you know, the problem with social media now, like back, you know, I'm an old guy, so I remember when, you know, you had a newspaper, you pick up a newspaper and there was letters to the editor on the left and the right and the center and different points of view were reflected. 
the problem with social media is, and I'm as guilty of this as the next guy, is people block and delete voices they disapprove of. So people are kind of in silos now. So when the Barack Obama thing happened, um, when he came out and said in that final week of the campaign, you know, Justin Trudeau's a great guy, and, you know, if I was in Canada, I'd vote for him, something like that. I was like, holy jumping. He just shut down blackface. Blackface yeah. was this signature seminal event in the second week of the 2019 federal general election campaign. It was, a, it was indeed an earthquake, right? Before that moment, the only thing that everybody internationally knew about Canada was Rob Ford, you know, mayor of Toronto, and crack cocaine, right? right. That's all yeah. they knew about us. It changed to blackface in the second week of September. Your prime minister wore blackface. Wait, what? So I, I really feel Obama saved Trudeau's bacon. For all of those progressives who were so mad or so upset or so disappointed in Trudeau, Obama gave them an excuse to consider him again. The license and to it, do so, yeah. And, and I know that works because I lived through it. When I had the honor and privilege of working for Mr. Kretzian, and Tony, you remember this, like, you know, uh, in the second referendum in the middle of the 90s, we were losing. Yep, we were. Canada was gone. Yep. We were going to lose. And they, we had been briefed by our officials that the separatists were going to dump uh, gravel at the border crossings into Quebec. They were going to seize federal buildings and say our taxes paid for this. They were going to go into the Supreme Court of Canada and say the country upon which this court is based no longer exists. They probably would have won. Like they were going to shut down the country. They were going to you know, take over the St. Lawrence Seaway, the whole bit. And the guy who saved the country was Bill Clinton. Bill Clinton came out and made a statement along the lines of, well, you know, um, I'd rather have a united Canada than a divided one. And that, that tipped the scales. Like, I know it did. It wow. did, that final vote. So, you know, I apologize for going so long. Those kinds of interventions by Americans, as much as we like to say that we hate the Americans and want them to mind their own business, we all pay attention to the Americans. So when Obama did what he did and what, you know, Clinton did what he did before that, it had an impact. The open mic thing, um, just very quickly, because I've gone so long and you guys are very patient. Um, Canadians, you know, it's, it, it's a measures about 80% of Canadians either dislike or intensely dislike Donald Trump. So when Trudeau is abroad, and I, I didn't think he was vicious in his commentary, but when he, you know, uh, is critical about Donald Trump, it certainly doesn't endear him to Republicans in Washington. I, you know, I know that. But Canadians like it. Canadians like to see uh, their prime minister occasionally stand up to a U.S. president. And, you know, there have been conservative prime ministers who have done that, like Diefenbaker, and there are liberal ones who have done that, too. So it, it doesn't hurt you at home, and, you know, that's where all the votes are. There's no, nobody voting uh, in the Canadian election in Washington. So I didn't think it was going to hurt him that much, and I don't think it has. I mean, he, he, got, he got the new NAFTA ratified yesterday, didn't he? Yep. Exactly, yeah. Warren Kinsella is our guest. This is And Another Thing podcast. Jody Jenkins, Tony Clement. Warren, I want to stay on the Justin Trudeau theme for just a couple more minutes before we let you go because I know you're a busy man. You wrote a, a very powerful article on November the 25th uh, entitled Why I'm Not So Critical About Justin Trudeau Lately. And I, you shared a lot of 
it was a very interesting story. I, I got to be honest, I didn't haven't really read a lot of your posts. I follow you on Twitter, but that was one of the first of a, a few that I'd read. But maybe just unpack a little bit about what was going through your mind when you wrote that. And my other follow up to that is: Do you ever talk to Justin? Do you ever hear from him? No, no. He, okay. You know, like I just I'm a Kretzian guy, right? And and Tony knows what I'm talking about. Like I I had the great privilege of being there for ten years with my guy. And it's time for me to move on, right? You know, other people take over, and that's that. And, um, you know, Kretschmann just has a very different style. We were taught at his knee to undersell and overperform. And Trudeau's first term was kind of oversell and underperform, in my opinion. So I'm just not a fan of how his guys uh, do things. Um, so, you know, that's kind of how I ended up there. But what was the first part of your question? I just the article where you wrote about why you're not so critical of Justin Trudeau. Uh, oh, I see. It's very yeah, so, interesting. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm a Democrat. Um, you know, like, and Tony knows what I'm talking about here, too. Like, in the punk scene, a lot of people were pissed off at me, uh, mainly when I was younger, that I got involved in politics. I mainly got involved in politics because... Uh, I started putting together anti-racism stuff, and I thought music only took me so far, so I got involved in, in politics and opposing racism. And um, so play, punks don't like that. You know, it's like you're selling out. You're selling away a piece of your soul. And my point I always would make to them is, like, guys, we're not supposed to win every argument, right? <laughs> you, know, uh, you know, the other side's going to win sometimes, and that's just the nature of our system. And it is imperfect, as the cliche goes, but it's better than all the alternatives. Yep. So, you know, I felt that blackface, guys, was disqualifying, right? If you do blackface in the United States, you can't get elected dog catcher, even in the South. I thought that the obstruction of justice in SNC was disqualifying. Uh, I thought any number of other things were disqualifying. I thought that this guy should not be prime minister. However... The people of Canada, several million of them, disagreed with Warren. And, like, I can continue to be Don Quixote and kind of rail in the outside and, you know, swing my fist at everything. Or it's like, well, they considered all those things, too, and they disagreed with me. And i got to accept that if I'm, you know, really a believer in democracy. So, so it's, it's, know, a clean, it's a clean slate now, and, and now you judge him after October 21st? Is that how it goes in your mind? Yeah, and, uh, you know, I, I do have to say, I'd be interested in what you guys think, too. I think he's changed. I think, um, I don't know if he's playing a role, but he sure as hell, the selfies are gone. Um, he's not in the media all the time. The big test for me was Halloween, right? Because Halloween yeah. came right after the election. And I thought, he's going to do what he's going to do every year. He's going to be Luke Skywalker he, again. He, yeah. yeah, he's going to dress up and go out with his kids. And he didn't. He didn't even go out. And I thought, okay, something's going on here. And since then, that's how it's been. Like, he didn't jet off to Mexico to sign NAFTA yesterday. He sent uh, Freeland. Yeah, so I, I, I see I, I see the change. Yeah, for sure. So I think, I don't know if he's humbled or he's playing somebody who is humble. But uh, I think it's working. Because, you know, you know, the one thing that both Kretschmann and Harper uh, believed in is, you know, you don't be in the paper every day. People get sick of your face. They don't want to hear from you every single day. Like, just, you know, have some spaces and your togetherness, as Khalil Gibran says. 
And, um, you know, Harper and Chrétien did that, and they were rewarded with a decade in power. And uh, Trudeau, I think, just had way too much overexposure in his first term. So maybe he's learning in his second. It'll be interesting. I, uh, I agree with your analysis that that is what is going on exactly now. I, I always felt that Trudeau's advisors were taking a page out of Trump, where Trump's mantra is, there's no such thing as overexposure. If he could command the media every single day uh, for nine out of 10 hours, then he's doing his job. That's, that's what Trump and the Trumpers believe. And I felt that Trudeau yeah. was playing that same role in the first four years. So if they have changed that, maybe they've learned that overexposure has political costs. And, and Trump, you know, well, I guess we'll see ne- next year in the elections. But, but uh, so there, there might be a change of attitude or it'll be interesting to see whether Justin Trudeau reverts to type uh, be- because of something that happens. And as you know, um, uh, it's events, dear boy, events in politics. There's always yeah. something that happens. And then uh, sometimes you, as a politician, revert to your your standard rather than what you've been trained to do. So I guess we'll be all watching in that respect. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, and I, he, um, he is not, you know, he's not a rocket scientist, but, you know, I think Ronald Reagan showed that you know, having a high IQ doesn't always mean you're disentitled to high public office. Um, but he does, he is a good retail politician. He's probably one of the best I've ever seen. And, you know, my mom is, my 87-year-old mom is my one-person focus group. You know, and she said to me, I said, what are you going to do? And she said, uh, said, well, you know, I'm very disappointed in Justin, like you are, but I, I just, I, I don't really like Mr. Shear, so I think I'm going to vote for Justin. And I, to me, that was kind of basically Ontario and Quebec and a lot of Atlantic Canada. Yeah. She was the voice of it. And that's kind of what happened. Yep. No, I agree, Warren. Warren, we know that uh, you got to get going. Uh, if you have any questions or you want to check out more about Warren, you can go to warrenkinsella.com. We'd love to have you back at some point in the new year. Uh, maybe uh, maybe around the time we can get some uh, when the conservatives have their convention. When's that in April? Yeah, mid April. Yeah, yeah. We'll see if Shear survives, and then you can give us the lowdown on your thoughts on that. So yeah, it's great to have Thanks, you on good. the show, Warren. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me on, and I'll see you at the at the uh, Midtown Brewery this weekend. Yes. <laughs> well, you know what? I'll send you my my cell, and we'll connect for sure. Because uh, yeah, if sure. you're in I'm the up, area, I'm up there. Uh, yeah, I'm up there with the dogs and stuff. I'm probably going to get a Christmas tree from them, so I'll be nice. up there. Probably on Friday night. Awesome. Okay, I'll be in touch. Okay, Thanks, guys. Warren. All right, take care. A lot. Thanks. Take it easy. So, Warren, obviously, like you guys have like a bromance there because he said you a couple times. I'm not trying to highlight, but you did say a couple times. Tony, you know what I'm talking about. Tony, you know what I'm talking about. Well, I'll tell you this about Warren, and and I know that he's come under some criticism as anyone in public life does. Uh, and uh, look, uh, when I came under criticism. Some of, some of my criticism has been fair criticism of me. Some of my criticism has been unfair uh, about me. Uh, Warren never piled on. Some people pile on, and when they, they see a wounded stag, they're ready to get their knife to gut the stag. And uh, he, he was never like that with yeah. me, and, and that, that matters to me. And uh, because, uh, you know, that, that, that goes against type, uh, you know, the, the, the tribal nature of politics. He's in the liberal tribe. I'm in yep. the conservative tribe. The tribal nature is uh, if we can get that this guy's head on a stick, let's do it. Yeah. And damn the Well, he knows. He knows. I mean, he's been in those circles. Yes. He knows what it's like to be on both sides both of sides. it. Both sides. And I, I agree. I mean, I, I get 
sickened when I see people, as you say, pile on and whatever. And one of the, you know, a great reminder, a great example is when Rob Ford was going through his all, all his stuff. I defended him to the bitter end because we all make mistakes. I mean, for myself, just to be completely honest, I've been sober since 2006. I haven't had a drink since 2006. I know what that can do to your life. And I know that people, I believe in forgiveness. I believe trust has to be rebuilt, but I believe forgiveness is instant. And, you know, there's, yeah, so I can totally sense that, that Warren, you have, respect is there and it goes both and, ways. And if you've been in politics for, I've been in politics for 40 years, he's been in politics for 30 yeah. years. You're, nobody, nobody lives a perfect life no. in politics or in life. No, so, it's true. So I, I'm, I'm not going to be there to condemn him. I disagree with him on certain things. He disagrees with uh, on certain things. That's fine, but let's not uh, make it personal. And, and I have a high degree of respect for him. I'll, I'll say that on the air. Awesome. Okay, wrap up another episode. Don't forget to subscribe. And, and tell your friends. Follow us on everything. And we got some great guests coming up. Tony, enjoy the rest of your week. You too.